Well, we have people who watch us online from all around the country, and in fact, the world. And so if you are not in this part of the country, we've had sub-zero temperatures, and it's single digits now. And so we're kind of debating, uh, do we have church or don't we? And I grew up in Cleveland, so I'm kind of used to weather. And my friend Kevin posted this. I had to send this to our staff. Kind of says it. <laughs> Northerners, you'll need your big coat. Let's go. So we are the weather warriors here today. So... And I am relieved, thank you. Yeah, give yourself a hand. Uh, because I'm kind of the unspoken reason why we don't cancel church uh, because of my attitude toward the weather. And in fact, other pastors in town text me, go, so what are you doing with the weather? And so we're kind of like the standard now for winter weather. So, so thank you for being here. I am off the hook, you came, all right? So, and uh, it's our Christmas Eve uh, service. It's a tra tradition for us. I love the candlelight the communion later. Um, if you haven't uh, received an element, our sexual leaders can get that to you. We're going to close with communion, and if you're online, you'll want to be prepared for that. And uh, I want to go back a little ways. Uh, this past week, before I do, I got an envelope. It's a FedEx uh, Express envelope, and I thought, okay, who's trying to hurry me a message? And I looked who it was from. I said, okay, it's from our national office, our, our missions department. I thought, okay, what's that about? And then when I opened it, um, it was an, another envelope addressed to Reverend Stanley Tharp. So I thought, well, they don't know me, right? Um, and then when I opened the envelope, I was like, why did you waste like 20 bucks to tell me this? Because it really is nothing of significance. I was kind of disappointed because I thought, oh, they're rushing it. This must be something important. And it wasn't. Because based on the delivery mode, we kind of get our hopes up. So let's go back a little ways. Uh, there's a, a way we used to send messages and express greetings that really meant uh, something special. Uh, they were called greeting cards. How many of you got a Christmas card this year from somebody? Okay, it's about half the crowd. Used to be everybody got Christmas cards. And back in the day, baby boomers are familiar with a marketing slogan uh, put out by Hallmark Cards. They were the leader in, uh, in cards. And an, ex an executive, Ed Goodman, back in 1944, coined a phrase, when you care enough to send the very best. Uh, and that whole implication was when you care about the people, you care about the message, you're going to pick a Hallmark card and send the very best. Well, I got to thinking about that thought, that theme, that rationale, when it comes to Christmas, not Christmas cards, but the Christmas message. And we really can look at what Christmas is all about and what God did for us, and God really did care enough to send the very best. He obviously sent the best, his son, to us to be our Savior as that baby in Bethlehem. But the way in which he sent the message couldn't have been done better. Talk about sending the message through the best. He chose two vehicles, two kinds of people that, that would get our attention. He told us about this baby through prophets and through, through angels. Prophets are people in the Old Testament uh, that did both foretelling and forthtelling. They would, they would declare God's word with a cutting edge to it, but some of the prophets actually told the future. One of those prophets was Isaiah, and he lived seven centuries before Jesus was born. The nation of Israel was falling apart, and Judah was not far behind. And Isaiah tells the people this prophecy and, and tells them of things that would happen far in their distant future. And it's in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Not only does God send this message through a prophet, his very best, 
But he also said, I don't want you to miss it, so I'm going to give you a sign, so when you see the sign, you'll put two plus two together and realize this is what I promised. And the sign is that a virgin would be with child. They'd name him Emmanuel. Fast forward seven centuries, that's what happened with Jesus. Two chapters later, Isaiah says in chapter 9, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. I think it's important that Jesus came to earth as a baby, as a child. Now, he wasn't a child before Christmas. He was in heaven. He was part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But the Bible says in Philippians that he voluntarily emptied himself, took on the form of a man, and he took on the form of a baby born in humble means in a stable. He could have come full-grown as king of kings. But I don't know about you, that would intimidate me. But there's something about babies that's endearing. Now, when I was a single guy, I was intimidated by babies. But once I became a dad and had children of our own, there's something about having that little baby, we're in that, they're in that snuggly mood, and you kind of hold them close as you draw near to them. And so the imagery and the message when God chose to say, I've come to be with you, God with you, he began the introduction to a little baby, Jesus, in a manger. And so he sent that message, uh, the very best he had. And then Isaiah uh, in, in that, talks about the fact that his government will rest, the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There is a very personal dimension to who Jesus is. That's why we've gathered together in his honor. First of all, Wonderful Counselor and Prince of Peace, they kind of go together. I've been to several counselors throughout my life, uh, looking for direction, guidance, confrontation, insight, help, whatever. And the wonderful counselors are the ones that you really connect with, the ones who get you. And there's this understanding. Jesus is that kind of a counselor. He gets you when nobody else does. He understands you. He doesn't just diss you off. And he's the prince of peace. He's not a counselor that when you're done talking to them, when you're done connecting with them, you don't feel any different or any better. On the contrary, Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he gives us peace that goes beyond understanding. And in this day and age, if there is ever a time, ever a generation that needs the gift of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, this wonderful counselor and prince of peace, it's now. Studies tell us, our own relationships show us, and our own lives reveal it, that, that mental and emotional health and well-being is on the de decline. More and more people are battling anxiety and depression and loneliness and fear. And if there's ever a time when hearts are crying out for someone to be our peace, to bring us to be our Prince of Peace, it's now. And then when you zoom out in a larger context, he's our mighty God and he's our eternal father and the government rests on his shoulders. First of all, as an eternal father, he cares about us. And Jesus told us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, and we go in the Lord's Prayer, we realize that God loves us and cares for our physical needs, our emotional, our spiritual, our relational needs, and is there to be with us. And he's, he's strong enough to shelter you and to protect you and to see you through. I don't know about you, but I find myself often when I'm trying to watch the news on whatever channel I would watch it, I, I often don't make it through a whole broadcast. I get so frustrated or stressed out about what I see, the direction the world is going, feeling powerless or helpless. I'll just shut it off because I don't, I don't need that. And yet, the Bible tells us that, 
that the government will rest on his shoulders. The outcome of earthly governments is up to Jesus Christ. And he will someday reign as King of kings and Lord of lords forever and ever, as the Hallelujah Chorus reminds us. And so knowing that, that as history seems to be careening out of control in all reality, God has a destination for and for us, and it will end in the kingdom of heaven for all those who choose Christ. I can have a sense of relief and, and sort of breathe in that peace from the Prince of Peace. And then the angels. The angels had another message when he cared to send his very best. Imagine the, the story, the context in Luke chapter 1. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Gabriel, one of the chief angels in God's heavenly host. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. This is an amazing declaration that he will be called great. He is the Son of God. He's not just some adoring little infant, which he was. But he comes to take on, God took on the form of flesh. And theologians tell us, if you want to know what God is like, study Jesus. And Jesus came to this earth then, and he lived his life as an adult. He taught the word of God. He showed the power of God. He went to a cross and died on a cross to pay for the, the penalty of human sin. The grave couldn't hold him. He rose from the dead, and we know him then as our Savior, this baby that we first adore and worship in our memories at the manger. And then Luke chapter 2, verse 8, the, apostle, the author goes on to say, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. I've never been a shepherd. I've never watched over flocks by night. But I know what it's like to have a clear, starry night. And some of you, like me, probably out taking care of your driveway the last couple of evenings and looking up and, and seeing that clear sky and the stars that are shining there. Can you imagine being on a hillside and the sheep are, are bedded down for the night and a few maybe rustling here and there and then all of a sudden an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. Can you imagine just the <gasps> that you would have? Stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now let's look at this all the people phrase, because that's significant then. First of all, this angel, when the angel came to declare that the Son of God was being born in a manger, came to the most common people of all, shepherds in their culture. This message is for everyone. But it's not just for all people then, historically. It is for all people, and it, and it transcends into now. This gift is for all people, all of us now. Now, I don't know about you, what your experience is with one-size-fits-all kind of gifts, but uh, I, I did some study, and the average American male is five foot nine, 191 pounds. I'm four inches taller and several pounds more than that. And one-size-fits-all gifts that I get never fit. Can I hear an amen from any other guys out there, right? And so one-size-fits-all gifts I'm skeptical of, but this one is truly a one-size-fits-all gift. Because 
God saw that we all have the same need and one gift would meet that. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. There's not a person in here who can take exception to that, say, no, I've never sinned. All of us have. And when we sin, that prophet Isaiah told us elsewhere that our sin creates a, a wedge, a chasm, a divide between us and God, and we cannot join with him. Something's got to join that chasm. Something has to bridge that gap. Jesus Christ came to bridge that gap through his amazing grace because otherwise, separated from God in this life, separated from God in the next. It's called hell. But instead, we can, through Jesus Christ, be one with God because all of us have sinned. All of us need a Savior. And Jesus Christ came to be that Savior for all people. And again, so we wouldn't miss it, the angel also said, this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, imagine this, there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. It went from one angel giving this incredible declaration, and the shepherds scared to death, all right, they just don't be afraid, and, and they're falling down, sure, on their faces, I'm sure, uh, and bowing in adoration and in reverence, and then all of a sudden this multitude of angels appears before them, singing glory to God, and I'm sure they break into an amazing uh, heavenly hymn uh, that would make even our best musicians and, and, and vocalists uh, pale in comparison to what they would be singing and the joy and the passion and how that would be contagious to them. It's for all people. And it's a Savior. I was having lunch with a pastor friend of mine recently, and, and he's the kind of guy that uh, it's not in a trite way at all, but he can't help but just quote or rephrase scripture right in the middle of almost every, every paragraph. And it's in a really challenging, encouraging, uh, sometimes iron sharp and iron kind of way. When we were done, I said, you know, it's just good for me to have lunch with you now and then because you're really challenging. You make me think. And as we were talking about Christmas, we were talking about the shambles that the world is in. And now more than ever, and it looks like the world is on a downward slide in a moral sense and in needing that peace and needing that strength and, and needing his presence. We talked about how much the, the world needs Jesus now more than ever. And, and I was thinking about that. I'm going back to the office, and I went back and I reread that passage. And, you know, Pastor Josh started the, the Christmas series back the first week of December reminding us of why Christmas happened. It's from John 3, 16, where God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. God gave Jesus to be our Savior. And when the, when the shepherds, who were considered the least in their culture, heard from those angels that there is a Savior born to us, instantly they knew, they acknowledged, I need a Savior, I'm going there. The angel didn't say, there is born to you this day in the city of David a life coach who will really help you develop good habits, a fitness coach that will really get you, get you in shape. Uh, no, a MasterCard. No, Jesus Christ is our Savior, and every one of us need him, need that gift. One size fits all. And so they came to the manger, the Bible says, in haste. And so that same need for us. While Jesus Christ following him, righteousness and a righteous lifestyle brings blessings and a level of functionality that you can't find elsewhere. 
The bottom line reason that I come to Jesus and I need him is because I need a savior. I need a wonderful counselor and I need a prince of peace in my life, in my struggles, in my anxiety. I need hope for the future when it doesn't seem hopeful. I need to be able to trust in someone when I can't find my way. And so it's appropriate when I realize that God cared enough about me, about us, to send his very best and to do it in the most outstanding way possible with prophets and angels. And they declared glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. So this Christmas Eve, as we do each year, we're going to conclude our time together with the time of communion, celebrating the body and the blood of Christ. But before we do, I would encourage you to just have a bit of a spiritual daydream as this song creates a musical backdrop for you of what it must have been like when the angels appeared to, to the shepherds declaring glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Glory in the highest Glory in the highest Glory in the highest To you, Lord A thousand generations Falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all have gone before us, and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the Lamb. Your name is the highest, your name is the greatest, your name.
So I've listened to that song. I couldn't help but take a bit of a daydream and wonder. I wonder how long the angels were there in the sky. That heavenly host, we have a tendency to, to put them all in sort of a choir loft in the sky. And they sing that one line and they're gone. I can imagine that they started to break out into several part harmony, more beautiful than we've ever heard. They began to soar around in joy and, and their own disbelief at what was happening and that they were also chosen to declare that incredible message that God cared enough to send his very best in the best way possible. And so I invite you, as you have the elements, to go ahead and focus with me on the bread and on the cup. Jesus told us to, to do this periodically just to remember him. And the Apostle Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians. And he says, I received from the Lord that which I shared with you. That on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Can I invite you just to maybe look at that small piece of bread? Jesus said, this is my body. And I wanted to speak to you. That I care enough about you. I was willing to be broken beyond recognition. I was willing to take all of your pain, heartache, shame, and pay the price and endure it. And he said, just remember me. Remember I did it, not as a spiritual IOU, but to remember how much I love you, that I am a wonderful counselor. I'm the Prince of Peace. I, I get you, and I am your Savior. Would you bow your head with me? Before I lead us, just say a prayer of thanks. Thank him for being that incredible gift for you. Thank him for his care, for his love. Jesus, we pause in what is often a pretty hectic, busy Christmas season. Near the end of it, to remember you. In this moment, we push aside all the, all the packages and gifts and shopping and celebrations and we declare it's really about you. Thank you for coming as a baby not to intimidate us but to draw us near in intimacy and as we follow you through your life we see you grow and be this man that is the son of God. You taught God's truth and you, you showed his power and then you died on the cross to pay the penalty for sin and the grave couldn't hold you and you rose again and you're now not that baby in a manger but you're our Savior, our Lord, our Prince of Peace. Thank you for paying the price with your own body for us. And as we take this bread tonight, we do it in remembrance of you. Let's take the bread. In the same way, Paul said, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death 
until he comes. If you would just examine that cup, it represents the blood of Christ. The blood that he shed for us, and there are two things that speaks to us about. The Bible says by his stripes we're healed, so Christ shed his blood for our healing, whether it be physical, emotional, mental, relational. And if you need healing in any dimension of life, ask him for it tonight to be your great physician of body or soul. But the blood also speaks to us about forgiveness. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Jesus shed his blood so you could be forgiven of your sins first time you ask, every time you ask. He's faithful to do that and to cleanse you. So if there are things that trouble your conscience, confess them, ask for forgiveness, and you'll receive that. If you carry guilt for things you've repented of, then ask him for the grace to let that go and leave it at the cross. Would you bow with me? Take a moment and respond to him with gratitude. Now, however, reminding you of the blood of Christ, whether you need healing or forgiveness or just thankfulness. Lord, when you shared the Last Supper with your disciples, by that time, uh, an adult man, you told them in so many words to take a cup and when you drink the fruit of the vine from it, let it remind you that I died on a cross to pay for your sins. So whenever you are troubled in conscience, ask for forgiveness and I will freely give that. You also shed your blood for us that we could come to you for healing. And so we ask you for that tonight in whatever dimension needed in each life here to be our healer, our great physician, and Holy Spirit to be our comforter. So Jesus, we thank you. An incredible memory of who you are and who you came to be. And we thank you on this Christmas day, or this Christmas Eve, that holy night that we celebrate. We ask for your touch in each life and those who perhaps are here in heaven accepted you. Let tonight be their night of surrender that you would be their Savior and Lord. We thank you for the hope in you. Let's take the cup together. Most of us are already Christ followers. That's why we're here, along with billions around the earth. But if you came today and, and realized you want Christ as your Savior and made that decision, stop by our VIP room. We'll be happy to pray with you. There'll be people here from our team and to give you some helpful information on what your next steps are. And now our tradition every Christmas Eve is if you'd stand together with me, we want to sing about what we have just done that has come. Oh, oh you're faithful. And let's worship Christ the Lord.
person or every household represented here today and those with us online that you will open our hearts and our minds and our spirits to be aware of you perhaps like never before that you are Christ the Lord and let your peace fill each heart and each home and give us your strength now and throughout this coming year that we would give you glory as those angels did that first Christmas every day of our lives thank you for your presence thank you for your love thank you for being God with us we ask it in your name, and everyone said, Amen. Now, we're glad that you came, and uh, last service, a young lady that was up in the stadium seats kind of changed my image of, Oh, come, let us adore him. I've probably seen that with Christmas pageants, and the wise men will walk very reverently, Oh, come, all ye faithful. But she was up there holding hands with people going, like dancing, like, Oh, come, all ye faithful, just celebrating. So we hope you have a great celebration. If you are free tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, we have an entirely different service. If, if animals at the manger could talk. So have a great Merry Christmas. Thanks for being here. Be safe leaving. God bless you. Thanks so much.